Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. When they first heard about this thing, it was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. What makes you think they're going to care about a bunch of lifers who found God at the ass end of space? Might kill you just for having You thanks, O oh Lord. Wrath has come the times near for us. Super Movie Brothers, episode 166. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. And I'm your host, Colt Movie Mark. Ah, Colt Movie Mark is here, which means that we are doing a movie cocktail. This is our episode, what, five of Movie Cocktail for the second season. And this was for the category Horror Movies Past Three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So any horror movie in any franchise that went past the number three. So you could pick, you know, or three or later. Halloween H two O if you wanted to pick, or you could pick Halloween three, Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. That's the way we did this. Anything past three. Right. So Mark picked Jaws: The Revenge. Yes. Rob, who is not here, uh, Rob actually had a bit of a family emergency. We're not going to get into it, but so much blood, Shit just yeah. so much blood. There's a face hugger. Uh, some <laughs> no, things happen. Yeah. No, uh, no. Uh, Rob had a little bit of a family emergency. Uh, we didn't ask him what was going on. We don't ask. We don't need to know. Uh, no. We just told him, you know, yeah, take the night off. He sent us his pick for the next category. Uh, but you know, I, on the other hand, did lose a lot of blood tonight. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> and I you saw did. it. Yeah, I sliced my hand pretty clean open while we were making cocktails. You almost had to go to uh Everyone thought, yeah, everyone's tonight. like, you had to go to urgent care. I was like, ah, it's a slow leak, you know? We just we just no, put a No, Dave was a champ, man. We I, just put a patch. I saw it all. We just put a patch. Yeah, I remember I was yeah. dumping like like uh peroxide on it. Mark's like, that is going to sting like a bitch. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> That's so bad. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, you picked for this category. You picked Jaws: The Revenge. Yes. I would have. I would have been okay with doing that film. Uh, uh, there's something to talk about. It's there. there's yeah. some things. Some it, things. Yeah. But it 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 did okay in the polls. It was mm. like in the it low. Was respectable. Yeah, it was in yeah. the low teens uh, in the polls. And then we had Rob who picked Saw Four, which did practically nothing in the polls. I think that was down to like four percent abomination. Yeah. Yeah. I think it did like four percent. I had Day of the Dead, nineteen eighty five, mm. George A. Romero classic. Yeah. Uh, that did okay in the polls, like twenty eight percent, not so bad. Uh, but I technically t- in a in a. 10% swing, Jay winds up winning with David Fincher's Alien 3, a movie which I told him he should pick for this list. In Fincher, I trust. <laughs> In Fincher, you trust. Well, Fincher did not trust this movie. Fox did not trust Fincher. And the, the product we got is what you saw, Jay, for the first time you yes. saw it. While doing well, I mean, I saw this. parts when I was probably 25 years ago. When that doesn't, that, that, small that means kid. absolutely that nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Now you can process. So let's go around the horn. Let's figure out what each of us thought of this the first time you saw it take yourselves out of your mindset that you are now and the mindset that you were in the first time you saw alien 3 it came out in 1992 so mm-hmm. like we were yeah we were babes pretty right. much like i was six years old in mm-hmm. 1992 wow. so i think okay. i was yeah. eight yeah, yeah, yeah so you guys would you guys would have been around eight years yeah. old but uh mark i'll start with you man what'd you so, think of alien 3 first time you saw it first experience with it eight. okay so i was eight when it came out definitely didn't see it until later 
probably when I was like in my mid to late teens, some somewhere around there. And uh, mostly, I remember being like, "Yeah, this movie's rated R, and uh, I'm gonna watch it." <laughs> and uh, so that's pretty much all I was watching it for. But no, I mean, uh, it's it's always kind of stuck in my head as sort of a uh, dark and gritty before that was even really a thing. You know what I mean? Like. Now every movie's trying to go for that kind of thing, but it, this movie to me was always always stood out as like really dark, kind of morbid. It was uh, it was far more gothic than yeah, very, than seventy nine Alien was, which yeah. was which was almost like creepy in the claustrophobic nature, mm. but it was also very sterile as well. It was very mm. very futuristic, scientific, feeling. More, more futuristic. Right, exactly. Uh, this one is is very dirty, very yeah, gritty. It feels dirty. And yeah, gritty. It, it, yeah. And even watching it now, it still feels like that. It me. does. There's parts of it that it were actually. Um, like almost repulsive. I was like, "Wow, yeah, it's pretty brutal." So, Jay, your first time around with this movie, man. What, what, what were you? you know, well, your first time around watching it, kid? beginning to end, beginning and to end. Oh, so. okay. So, well, that yeah. So, I think more than anything, it was just the impression of um, a bald Ripley. Yeah, well, honestly, because that's what I remember when I was a kid. That's what I, I remember. remember I remember. Mostly, I remember yeah. that. Mostly because you don't see that very often, and that was probably the first time I saw that. Well, like, as one a of the woman things, like actress, Alien. To have her you head you hadn't really seen Alien until like me and you were hanging out, and I showed it to you, right? And then Aliens, you've seen that the James Cameron film, yeah. So like this is like your first real time sitting down, like in as, rec- an, as a, like as a, an, adult, an adult in recent yeah. memory, going back and having seen those other two, and then seeing this, like. Does it stand out in like stark juxtaposition to it those two? It stands out in a much more duller, boring way for me. <laughs> because I, I thought that this had an interesting setup and premise that just fell lackluster in, in a way where I can't quite put my finger on, to be honest. And I oh, don't know. I got a word not. for it, buddy. Well, it, look, and I, it's just one of those things where, so I thought I saw the, the theatrical cut. You did, and yeah. And I did not see the extended cut. Which me and Mark did watch the extended cut. So okay. the theatrical is what, hour and a half? Oh, theatrical is two hours. Two hours, okay. Well, the right. one we watched is two hours and 24, uh, right. two hours and 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, I was not. 100% committed to seeing the two and a half movie length. Yeah. And well, me and Mark know paid, our, paid our dues watching the two yes. and a half hour cut. Trust me. Yeah. But All ultimately, I, I just I found that the CGI elements were um, took me out of it and unnecessary and were too well lit. Yeah, we're not you know, we're not we're not going there yet. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. But we'll I'm get just there. saying as far but as far this as is impressions, close, <laughs> not not a review, oh, no, Jay. This I'm is sorry. just your impressions. But overall, I think it had a good finale of sorts, but the movie as a whole was a boring letdown overall. So, but it's not an atrocious movie. I would say that too. It's well, definitely not. That. It's Looking not back, an atrocious movie. Not, well, no. all right. So, I mean, Alien smash hit, right? Like, like it, it wound up. People loved it. It was, it was like the scariest movie of of its time. Uh, Ridley Scott was a genius. The, the 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 you know reactions he got from his actors in that film were absolutely fantastic. The set they built was fantastic. You know, um, Aliens, the you know crazy bombastic action movie that it was, uh, mixed with the perfection of James Cameron was absolutely fantastic and then we get here we get to this one and it does stand in like stark contrast to it and this would be the bastard stepchild of the Alien franchise but Alien Resurrection followed this up in 97 and then we got AVP AVP Requiem and then after that 
we started getting Ridley Scott returning to it with Prometheus, which was mixed with mixed reviews. And then we wind up getting uh, Alien Covenant, which to me is the biggest egregious yeah. crime against the Alien franchise. A lot more damage has been done oh, to by, by that. Franchise. Now, the thing, like, I look at Alien 3, watching it now, and I see this a lot in the same way that I see Prometheus, where mm-hmm. it's like, I see the good in it. Like, I well, see where Prometheus was trying to do yeah. good, and I see the good things about it when I watch it. Mm. However, I also see its glaring flaws, its glaring mm. problems, and things that really stick with me um, moving forward. And watching Alien 3, when I first saw Alien 3, I was working at Blockbuster. I had seen Alien before I had seen Aliens. I knew that I liked both of those. And I was working at Blockbuster. I get five free rentals a month, and I was like, you know what? Let's fucking do it up. Watch me some Alien 3. Yeah, I think, I think Alien AVP Requiem had just come out mm. and I was working at Blockbuster. So I was like, all right, yeah. here we go. Here's, here's, I'm, I'm going to watch like five alien movies all in a row. I'm going to watch Alien. Watch them all I'm going to watch Aliens. I'm going to watch Alien 3, oh, yeah. it's Resurrection. <laughs> and then I'm going to watch AVP. I'm going to watch all these like right in a row. And I rented all these movies and I, I watched Alien, obviously in love, still in love with it today. I think me and Jay talk about it a good amount when we talk about horror films and like getting oh, you that. You seen it up until then? No, I'd seen uh, it then, but like I was rewatching it right. then. Uh, Aliens was a movie I maybe saw like once or twice, yeah. seeing it again, just seeing like action perfection like you know it it sure. is an action movie that that gives you all the right qualities it you know it makes you feel for your main With characters. Fun characters too yeah, it, yeah. It, it fun characters makes you feel for makes you feel for your actors uh for, for the characters it makes you you know it, it gives you so much while giving you like so little but it gives you so much to look at at yeah. the same time I mean, the story is very simple right you know Get to this colony, figure out what's going on. But it's an stop interesting the threat, twist get from Alien. Yeah. You know? it completely it totally different. Yeah. We'll get into that when sure. we get into how this film got made. But when you Alien think 3. about it, like going looking back on it, why wouldn't you choose David Fincher to direct this movie? We'll get to like that. after Ridley Scott, after James Cameron. Like, oh, we'll man, get because David, David Fincher, Fincher was not oh. David Fincher then yeah. in '92. I know, but I think whoever saw so him when I get to the vision when I get to Alien Three, it's a roadblock. It's a stop. It's a slowdown. I am getting yeah. I, I am getting off the exit ramp of this highway and I am met with a red light and I'm just sitting there. Like, cause that's what this film is. Mm-hmm. It is so slow. Uh, I would love to say that it's methodical, but that would mean that it was deliberate in what it did, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was very slapstick. And I remember feeling that the first time I watched it. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. And I think even more so if you watch my cut, the theatrical, you get more of that. Yeah. Jay's cut. Jay's cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The J cut. <laughs> Fincher's just like, you know what? Yeah, you recut it, Jay. I don't, Jay. I don't even care. <laughs> I don't even. I care so little that even Jay Short can recut this movie. Well, he probably did care, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I remember not liking it, and then I went to Alien Resurrection. And I was like, oh, you know what? It does get worse. <laughs> it does get worse. I've not seen that one, but I've heard things. It heard does things. get worse. Uh, I would say like Alien Resurrection. As Alien Resurrection is when Fox went. You know what? Fuck it. Let's yeah. just have some fun with this Let's shit. Bring her back. Let's get as crazy as we can get with it. Let's have Ripley playing basketball and she she fucking throws the basketball behind her head and she That's sinks a, a switch and then she, you know, like she, like if this was today, she would have done that and she would have dabbed like right after oh, it and like yeah, you would have been like, oh Ugh. my god, it would have been it would have been like uh, the cool mom. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she would have been the cool mom, and she is cool as hell in this movie. Ripley mom jeans, but she is really. I mean, cool she's always so. cool, but especially in Alien 3. But to what Jay was saying, the aesthetics 
they feel like they're there. Uh, yeah. There are scenes like I was talking to Mark before we before we started recording. There are scenes where like I see some greatness in this. I don't know if you got this scene in the extended cut or not because that's the one I watched. It's the one I have like most re- recently. But where Ripley goes and gets Bishop, she like she goes and gets Bishop who was ripped in half by the Alien Queen in Aliens. And I just I don't know what it is about that scene. Just the way it's lit, just the way it looks. It, it's it's incredibly like dystopian. But like the bright light, like makes you feel hopeful. Like as an audience, when you see Bishop face, when you see when you see Lance Hendrickson, you're like fucked up face. <laughs> yeah, you're just. Yeah. But for a moment, you feel like you know she's back with something that's yeah. familiar to her. It's familiar to us as the audience. We right. have a chance here. We have a chance. All right, uh, we have a chance here. I was so naive, dude. Yeah, I know. But like the way the spotlight's coming yeah. down, like the shots are gorgeous. And to to go with what like Jay was saying, while you do hate the CGI. I hate the CGI in this as well. Like the, the CGI in itself. Right. The, so impressive. when they use the practical yeah. shots, the practical effects are so well done in yeah. this. They, I they pretty much perfected it. I, thought. I, I think yeah. they did a fantastic job. And one of the cool things they did was because, you know, it was, it, it came out of an animal, depending on what cut you watch. If you watch the theatrical cut, the, the uh, Xenomorph was born no. out of a Rottweiler. But if you watch the cut that me and me and uh, Mark watched, it came out of a steer, steer a water buffalo pretty much yeah it came uh, an ox it was an ox so but it if you actually look like the alien has more of like a, a brown aesthetic mm-hmm. and it which is it matches the rust of the bars and the, mm-hmm. and the walls that are in this prison so like it's perfectly adapted to its environment mm-hmm. by coming from from this from a right. different from an animal mm-hmm. um and like you know they did the practical effects so well it looks so good that shot where you know the iconic shot yeah. where it's up against Ripley's face yeah. and and That's you know great. The the, the the mini mouth comes out yeah. and the 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 KY jelly's just, pouring from its face. Yeah, I know exactly. It looks so good. There's moments where it's hiding in the ceiling and stuff, and they show it, and mm. it looks so well done. Yeah. And then it, that in like stark contrast to when you see it as a CGI it creature, you in the CGI and yeah. yeah, it has a, a a heavy dark outline to it. The lighting on the CGI creature does not match the lighting around it, so it's almost as if it's admitting yeah. its own light source. And just out of doesn't place. match. It just, just doesn't. It, especially in this film, where I think they did, as far as set design goes for this oh, film, yeah. fantastic job There's aesthetically. Of it. Yeah, they're very are so well yeah. done. Um, it doesn't have a life to it in yeah. the same yeah, way. Little, yeah, on the boring side, like you right. Said. Yeah, it's very brown. A lot of browns, a lot of oranges, a lot of earth tones in this one. And, you know, one could say, like, well, they're at a pretty much... A prison. A dystopian, yeah, prison that nobody is supposed to go to. Everybody's supposed to just exist until they die. And they've all kind of accepted that fact. And then when they bring in this mix of Ripley, it's like they don't know what the hell to do with themselves. Really Um, what this story is about is just a bunch of guys who haven't smelled pussy in years. You you smell something, man? Definitely smell something out here. You smell something, I smell pussy. Pretty much. Just losing their shit. horny old buggers. Yeah, they're just like, like even Charles Dance is in this uh, Tywin Lannister of fame. And he gets some. Which, first off, as a character (laughs) thing with Ripley, who the last time she went to sleep, she was falling for Hex. Yeah. She wakes up. She goes, "Oh, Hex is dead." Right, I guess I'll go for. Uh, I all right. Tywin I Lannister. mean, <laughs> granted, she's just using her resources that she has to gain position mm-hmm. in this colony that she's been put in. Mm-hmm. That's the way I sell it Possibly. in my head. I mean, she possibly, she, but also she just wants some 
human contact, I think, at that point. That could and, be true. and the way she picked them up, because she did. She was the one that picked them up and essentially said, like, let's bang. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was pretty blatant and pretty out of the blue. And all of a sudden, it was like, after the fact, and you're like, mm. oh, oh it was very, It was very much a Howie Berry. Very nonchalant. Very much a Howie Berry moment from, uh, from Monster. Can you make me feel good? <laughs> Oh God! Oh, that that makes me squirm every single time. And you make me feel good. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was Ripley to Charles Dance. Such a turn on. And then you could flash to Charles Dance dressing up as a woman into Ali G movie and, oh, <laughs> and really get your rocks off. <laughs> there was some interesting like stuff with men and women. Uh, you know, her being the only woman in the movie, and how she's kind of like, well, she becomes this mother figure. She does quite literally. A lot of them, uh, so that was a, a lot of them, you know, go along with her plan to take out the xenomorph simply because mm. she is a she is a a Madonna figure yeah. to them, especially these guys who who have adopted religion as their penance right. for their crimes on this on this you know planet that mm-hmm. they uh, this prison colony that they have pretty much you know, they're all there for life yeah you know they're all lifers uh so so this having very, this very figure, exciting for them actually yeah <laughs> and thing. and to be honest I think the whole setup of this story is great yeah, and it, it cool kind of ballsy in a lot of and ways and there's something that you could have done with yeah. it. If it wasn't However, an alien, like alien in quotes movie, you know, it could have been but at the maybe same, more interesting. I guess. But at the same time, one can say this is an easy premise to s- and set up for a cash grab. Well, here's the thing, like, you know, the main thing, and we're going to get into this more, but when I was watching it, the main thing I thought was this could be anything. Like, you know, it's kind of like, it was almost sure. like, oh, let's just do a prison with the, an alien there. Oh, yeah. It's kind of felt like. You could have right, put Michael sure. Myers yeah, like, as the it, villain in this. Yeah. As the creature. So in that regard, it yeah, would have worked. Kind of like, yeah, just th- thrown together, I guess. It was yeah. very thrown together. We will get into this. Not a bad premise, but it's, a, it's like, why, I'll be honest. You know? Like, we've already gone longer than I thought we were going to go in yeah, this first right. part. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to run through the film in the right. next part. And uh, we're really saving a lot of this podcast. <laughs> I'm holding back. Dude. A lot of this for what could have been what should have been and what came after and what could still possibly come in the future like the behind the scenes for alien 3 is probably one of the craziest hollywood movie (laughs) gets made stories you've ever heard of um you know six different scripts Mm -hmm. a bunch of different screenwriters brought in you know grasping at straws different directors attached six years after its previous sequel you know i couldn't which which that one came out seven years after its original. Right. You know, Fox was just like, there's a franchise here, and god yeah. damn it, we're going to make, make it another work. <laughs> and despite everything to the contrary, the fact that nothing was working out, they were headstrong in putting out another Alien film. And honestly, it got to the point where they were just tired and said, I don't care how it gets made, just mm. get it made. Give me Sigourney, give me an Alien. and Just Put it in the theater. That's all we need, and that's all they needed. And that's make exactly money, what what they were looking for. That's what for. it feels like. In the, in it, but it, it shows. When it all is said and done, yeah. it shows. Yeah. And that's the, the you know that's the big problem. This movie has a ton of problems. The majority of those problems come from its script, which we will go through the scripting process for this. Uh, you know, when we get into our third part of of our movie cocktail here, but it is an absolute mess of a script but before we get into the rest of alien 3 mark you and i have both made drinks for this i had to make one because this is an alien film fuck i love alien so much it doesn't matter this is the one of the worst 
I can't even say that. Fuck. I can't even say this is one of the worst alien films. I know. At this point, it's like the third best alien (laughs) film. And that's the sad part is that, you know, it, it sits. All these movies have just sat so much on the laurels they've rested so much on the laurels and the good faith of a movie that came out in 1979 and another movie that came out in 1986 that just and shows they, you how good that they've been resting are. on that for 30 plus years yeah, pretty much <laughs> alright Mark but you have a cocktail that you made yes. man what's this cocktail called and what's in it buddy alright it's called Geiger's Cup of Zeno Joe oh and it is H.R. Geiger is obviously the, the man who actually created the alien design right. the xenomorph design so the phallic Sign. Yeah. The phallic symbol. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, pretty much a coffee cocktail, and I think it's pretty tasty. Um, so it is two cups of coffee, a tablespoon of maple syrup. Added some, we added some bitters in there. Uh, one ounce of Kraken black rum, an ounce of coffee liqueur, and stir and serve with vape. Yeah, <laughs> serve with vape. I want to get a smoke effect in there for the for the. Yeah, so, so me and Jay just blew some vape yeah, into the mug. <laughs> You know, there's different ways you could do it, but that's just one. Of course. Yeah. And it's hot coffee, everybody. Yeah, yeah hot just coffee. So you know, so. Yeah, this is a hot coffee yeah. cocktail. Uh, but what would you guys think? Uh, I guess we'll start with Jay. I will definitely start with that. I, I really enjoyed this. This is something that is right up my alley. I thought it was a really nice blend. Um, we've, you know, experimented with different kind of liquors, and I think yeah. um, mostly any kind of liquor in this type of vein will work. The other one this we did one, was uh, Bullet Bourbon, which worked right, pretty well. I which thought. had a very, very, very good balance yeah. going on. This one had it a nice little sweet initial uh, note to it and then ended with a oddly like a smoky kind of um, uh, finish, I thought. Yeah. so. But overall, again, vape. very balanced and really drinkable. And it's just something that I would absolutely love. And it perks you up. Um, in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. On vacation, not before work, of course, people. <laughs> if but, you seem more energetic yes. than usual, that's why. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a little caffeinated right now. So, right. I mean, for me, I, I I actually prefer the cracking in it over the bourbon. Mm-hmm. So, over the bullet. Uh, especially just like the aesthetic of having like a black bourbon in a black coffee well, that was called crack cocktail. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I wanted a Another black, monster. Yeah. I wanted a bottom. black drink with smoke. I mean, it's dark in color. Yeah. It works for the aesthetic of this, yeah. of, of mm-hmm. this film. Um, yeah, it is a, a nice little pick-me-up and everything like it's, that. It's different. I feel like it's different than it's, and a it's, lot of the ones it's we've done. Pretty well, it's, it's pretty I well balanced. I think it's balanced. very fitting for I mean, even if you're not... One of the nice movie too. <laughs> one of the nice parts about your cocktail, Mark, is that like even if you're not a black coffee drinker, there's enough in there that like perks oh, it up, that sweetens pretty, it up. It's very sweet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that even if you're not a black coffee drinker, like you can't even tell this is black coffee. Yeah. Like it's you could very much be putting an Italian sweet cream in this and sure. be drinking you it. You could probably know. throw. We were talking about like a block of sugar or something like that. You know, yeah, you could sweeten it up too if you want, cubes, if you need to. But even still, I think it's pretty well balanced. Yeah. Where I think, I think any kind of coffee drinker can drink this and mm. be pretty happy with it yeah. and not worry about not having cream or not having enough sugar or whatever it may be yeah uh so i also made a drink uh for this it is the alien face hugger uh so what this was was it, i did a shot it's a double shot and i mixed equal parts of vanilla vodka with a with the coffee liqueur that you used for yours so i wanted it to complement marks i wanted it yeah. to go well with Mark so it's that you could you could take this shot 
of of this of this alien you know face hugger and then go on and drink geiger xenomorph like right after that mm-hmm. uh so which is what we did so which is exactly how we did it so so what this shot is like i said it's a double shot so it's equal parts coffee liqueur and vanilla vodka you want to leave enough space to add a little bit more because you're going to add about a half of teaspoon of simple syrup and then you want to take about a half of teaspoon of Bailey's Irish cream. And when you take that Irish cream to get the really cool effect of like the the cream just kind of like like swirling slowly dripping slowly, down to the bottom yeah, yeah. or collecting at the mm. top you want to like really slowly drip it in there because the cream is so heavy but it's also whipped and light so like if you pour it slowly it's going to sit on the top mm. and it's going to give you that really cool effect where it's like coming down and stuff it looks a lot like slime it looks a lot like mucus it looks a lot like it reminded it's me of the very alien super mario brothers yeah our super mario yeah it, it looks a lot like the fungus fungus yeah, yeah so it, and and that looks a lot like the alien eggs yeah. and so it reminded me of like a face hugger when i yeah. when i when i put that in and mm-hmm. i was like it's it's got to be the face yeah. hugger shot so uh it worked great did you guys like it you guys yeah. like it yeah it's very i did yeah definitely packed the punch and uh we toasted to, to rob yeah you yes. know for the face hugger rest tonight power. god rest his soul god rest his soul <laughs> may he be buried in his homeland <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll put up pictures and recipes for both those over on the Twitters, over on the Facebooks, and over on the Instagrams. All right, guys, let's get into Alien 3. Let's discuss the movie. We're not going to go scene by scene like we do for a lot of these. We're not going to do, because I'll be honest, the breakdown for this movie would fall asleep. is so easy. <laughs> the fact that they could make a two and a half hour <laughs> cut from it is absolutely astonishing to me. <laughs> Alien 3, picking up right where Aliens left off. Ripley, Hicks, and Newt are all in cryosleep, and their ship, the Salako, has a bit of an electrical fire problem and drops them out of orbit onto an alien planet. Now, what causes that is somewhat unknown because you're led to believe in different versions of the story whether she is dreaming of an alien face hugger cutting itself and acid coming down and electrical fire starting as a result of that you you know you wonder whether that's a dream or not in the beginning of the film now like i said i watched the extended version at least that's the version that mm. i saw and then their pods their their uh, i believe they call it the habitation pods crash land on this planet on a beach at that now depending on which version you watched if you watched the extended cut ripley was rescued on the beach by charles dance's character and brought to the prison and then they eventually went and searched the rest of the wreckage and find hicks and newt in the the theatrical version ripley is found alive in the same habitation at the same pod as hicks and newt who unfortunately are both deceased uh hicks died on impact and newt died of drowning unfortunately so the two characters that we kind of fall in love with in aliens are completely dispatched and ripley again just like alien and is left alone all alone 
pretty much. But she's, in reality, not alone. She finds a friend in Charles Dance's character. He plays the doctor, but he's also an incarcerated inmate, just like everybody else on the planet that they are on. And uh, from that point on, you know, they really could have done a whole lot different with this film. What this film is, is Ripley landing on the planet, dealing with the deaths of two friends, I guess you would say. One is a daughter figure and stuff like that. She gets very, she gets over that stuff very quickly. Very quickly. Moves forward with everything. Once the xenomorph is on the planet. Now, what happens is the xenomorph gets itself inside of, again, depending on which version you watch, if you watch the theatrical cut, the face hugger attaches itself to a Rottweiler, to a dog, mm-hmm. and comes out of a Rottweiler, which I think for the aesthetic of the CGI that goes on throughout the rest of the film makes more sense <laughs> yeah. the way the alien moves. Because uh, we know the alien DNA takes portions of the dna of the host and applies it to itself so uh the way the alien moves the xenomorph moves throughout the rest of the film is very dog-like it always moves on all fours practically and stuff like that but if you saw the 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 extended cut that that me and mark watched then it was actually born out of an ox Mm -hmm. uh so uh it then hides itself within the corridors of this prison and much like the ship from the much first like one. much like the ship from the first one, the Nostromo. Yes, and it h- begins hunting prisoners one by one. The prisoners become aware of its presence, and Ripley begins. I, I would love to say that they enlisted Ripley's help because she's dealt with it before. But instead, Ripley infuses her help into into everything because she's dealt with it before. Yeah, yeah. They spend a lot of time doubting her. Yeah. Like, even after people are attacked in front of other people's faces, they yeah. spend a lot of time mm-hmm. doubting her. Uh, and then they get to the final act of the film where half of the prison population has been killed by the alien. Ripley comes up with a plan for trapping it. And she winds up uh, failing in that plan, and they have to come up with a new plan for the third act for trapping the alien and pushing it into the lead smelting facility that this prison is based on, thus trapping it encased in lead for life and destroying it. But that's not before Ripley finds out that she is the host of the alien queen that is growing inside of her chest that will eventually burst out, starting the xenomorph uprise all over again and bringing apart destruction to the galaxy. So she enlists the help of the rest of the prisoners in destroying it and herself Mm -hmm. for the conclusion in which they are met by the Wayland Utani Corporation at the very end who try to convince Ripley to live and give up the alien specimen so that they may take it for research and development and she would get to save her life and then move forward and unfortunately Ripley chooses to instead jump into the smelting facility mm-hmm. burning herself to death and the alien queen alive inside of her and catching it before it jumps out of her in your in your in version my, oh, was there now, difference? Jay, that was the version I remembered because that's the one I saw when I was younger in our Which version kind of badass so in your version <laughs> Ripley jumps into in, in into the molten lead and bursts into flames and as she bursts into flames the alien queen jumps out she grabs it Mm -hmm. and it also bursts into flames however in the version that mark and i got sir that doesn't happen because they felt that that was too phallic nobody knows that they saw it but they did nice big cock 
literally looks like a, a penis yeah. i guess but but, uh, but also like they, they felt like they all, it's a known quantity it's something that we knew throughout the yeah. entire film Although, that this was going to happen the image of the you know the squealing dying baby alien I, that kind of did you know it stuck in my head and i actually kind of missed it when i watched this i version. liked it yeah i, I kind of you know no i, 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 I wanted i wanted to see, i thought it was worth it i thought yeah. i wanted it's to a see little it. like on the nose but it's also just kind of like a cool image and yeah know. but it's better than not seeing it yeah i mean in my mind i don't think you need to see it but i just like you know that having that image in my head i was kind of like let down i was like oh you know. there were a little well, such an iconic shot from the first movie where i think it kind of comes full circle with ripley yeah having that done to her as she's given her life to save the well, galaxy I, well, not just everybody else but i like, mean let's face also it you can never do john hurt's performance of it jumping out of his body ever yeah. again like yeah. you're never gonna shock us that. more than that but i do think it is a fitting end for ripley's character even though eventually she's <laughs> cloned and brought back but uh if this was the last time we saw her i thought it was a fitting end i, I like that she kind of took charge of her own fate and i like that in that last exchange with the the co- you know the evil company trying to no no don't kill yourself we uh, just want to study the alien and not do anything yeah. totally evil like i like that she's like no fuck that like i'm going to go jump in this thing and just fucking end it all cuz it's like well, you know we see her yeah, she we, knows. we've seen her as a victim uh, particularly in the well, first, don't forget she worked movie. for that corporation right. and literally found out that the android that they had sent to 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 work with them was actually working yeah. for them and working so against them at the same there. time. But so, even just, but even just from the stance of her being a victim, which is in the first movie a lot, um, you know, her kind of taking back that and just kind of claiming like, you know, what, I'm going to end this on my terms and there's not going to be any more aliens. Well, there obviously there were, but, <laughs> but not time, in this, she didn't know that. Yeah. Y- I would yeah, love to well. tell you how the xenomorphs come back, Mark, but that, is a completely oh, different movie I, yeah, I haven't seen with the, its own set of problems. Seen Let's just say cloning is involved. Oh, that's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> but anyway, I thought for Ripley, I thought it was a decent ending. So uh, do I. Her, yeah. I think for Ripley, it was a decent ending. It's a little uh, T2. But, it, was, um, <laughs> it was very clear. Mm. Yeah, same year as T2, though. Yeah, they actually talked about that in the documentary. Yeah, so like, oh. it's, it, it's more of... Uh, it's more of what, what happenstance art, right? Yeah, like exactly. happenstance uh, yeah, imitation yeah. of art, right? Like they coincidence, yeah. coincidence, yeah. Uh, uh, for me, like I'm watching it and I see what they wanted to do, right? I see that they went where they went in Alien. They went completely different in Aliens. They wanted to get back to it mm-hmm. in Alien Three. Well, I think this movie's. They wanted to. I- I see this movie as being torn between the two things. It is. It wants to be that first movie, but it also wants to be something different. Right. So essentially, it's kind of nothing. Right. I think that's what we're. It wants its cake. It it wants its cake. It needs it too. It it very much wants to portray a single alien as a threat again. It wants the claustrophobic corridors of the original one, but it also wants some bombastic action Mm -hmm. sequence with some true horror and gore, Mm -hmm. which the first one all had. But where it lacks is the story because as quickly as I did that synopsis is how quickly that they could have done this story. (laughs) This could have been a 90 minute movie. This could have been 30 minutes of Ripley catching up on everything that's happened, dealing with the deaths of Hicks and Newt. The second act is them coming to the realization that there is a xenomorph there. And the third act would have been them dealing with the xenomorph threat and taking it out, concluding in the same way that it concludes because like Mark, I think it is a good conclusion and this would have been the end of Ripley's story in the alien franchise period and it could have been a lot better that way right would have been 
simpler. That's the way the story is structured, right? You know, to be a taut ninety-minute film, you know, and not. A but in your theatrical long, version, two Jay, hour, thirty-minute movie, it's two uh, hours long. In Mia Mark's version, it's sure. two hours and thirty minutes. Yeah. But even my two-hour version was still too long. It, it is. Well, it's 100%. interesting that Fincher. So did Fincher reclaim this movie eventually? So you're saying it's a director's cut? Is it? Is it literally his cut of the film? It is version? not a director's no? cut. Okay, so explain uh, this a little bit because right. not a true one. I will. They actually have a term for it okay. because they can't call it a director's cut because the director actually had zero to do. <laughs> it's with, similar to Blade Runner. Yeah. So Blade Runner had that a has, lot of different variations. Had, this is actually called the assembly cut. Assem- now, it has several different plot elements to it that are different than the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, we did mention that it just states within an ox instead of a dog. We talked about how Ripley's body washes up on shore rather than being mm-hmm. found in the um, in the ship in, in both versions. Uh, and then there are a lot of extended scenes that focus more on the religion. So in the assembly cut, they really want to focus on the fact that they are a a reform prison in that they deal with religious reform in their prison. Like that's mm-hmm. is far more present in the assembly cut, mm-hmm. which actually is something I found extremely interesting and liked in the film and liked about the prisoners uh was this sense of like because it gave them character, Not right? Typical it gave them right. It gave them it gave them more of like an ideal but where guess- they they existed as like a colony onto themselves that's mm-hmm. where you know you know because you ask yourself if, cultish right if you yeah. lock if you lock yourself in this prison why not just leave like there's no one really stopping you right, right? there's it's there's like two officers there's a warden and there's like an a, a first lieutenant stopping mm-hmm. you yeah. Yeah. and then much choice I guess, right but, <laughs> but um i guess my question dave is like why why like what prompted what prompted them to make this uh, additional cut of the film and and who made it really you're saying it's an assembly cut also referred to as a director's cut i guess but like who actually was in studio the studio like that's it, it. just hired I, some I different editors for, you know, 20th century fox to, they had they had this raw want to make a longer movie they had this raw footage sitting around they They're have just trying to bank on the name no they so? have this blu-ray when did and this version come out the new 2010 one? Okay. the so it it came out came with, out with the blu-ray with the blu-ray okay. anthology set in 2010 right. i believe there was also a dvd cut of it prior to that okay. i want to say but honestly it's it's a money-making cut like at the time you know special features were a big deal so you know, getting Ridley Scott's director's mm-hmm. cut, you know, getting James Cameron's director cut, those are big yeah. deals. They want to add, yeah, they want to add a little big. oomph to to yeah. it. Fincher declined to have anything to do really? with it. Okay. We will get into Fincher's declinations and all of his feelings on the production of this film later on in this in the third act. But that's what it came down to. Like they okay. they they couldn't get Fincher's involvement in it. He didn't have a definitive cut. There was no edit that he wanted to do. It's so interesting. Like, they just did their own and and put it out there it's interesting that the studio would want the ending the version without the alien in it like that's just to me is is pretty interesting like you don't usually see things like that um i wonder if it's because they didn't think the the, the prosthetic looked look good maybe, enough yeah. I, I i i that's what it comes down to because watching the theatrical cut i didn't think it looked good mm. it did it no, certainly didn't look as good as when it came more like out of symbolic i guess that's that's why i didn't mind it yeah because like, it was the, i like the, the symbolic the element of it like do you remember yeah. how good it looked in aliens when that when that chest buster came out and its tiny little arms are pulling it out of the uh, of mm. the person's chest and then it like runs off and stuff mm. god that part was so cool 
You remember when it comes out of John Hurt's chest in Alien, Alien and, and and it just bursts out and it like runs across the table. The practical effects. It was very quick cut. It looked yeah. good, but it didn't give you enough time to focus and pick out that it was mm-hmm. actually a puppet. In this, it bursts out, and I feel like the camera holds on it too long. And it does like it's that weird like the slow mo thing. Yeah, yeah. it just. <laughs> I, in the end, I I think they looked at it and they had done enough work to tell you throughout the movie that she had an alien yeah. in her in her chest that it was almost gratuitous to show it at mm-hmm. the end. And I think they also just wanted a reason to make it different mm-hmm. to have it stand out. Well, on the I remember it actually. Uh, I remembered. I don't. I don't remember it popping out. I just remembered her. Her. You know, diving into. Well, whatever it was, the acid or whatever lava stuff, the fire, <laughs> and I remember like, it's I, I, it's molten lead, right? And I remembered uh, them showing the dying alien, and I just assumed it was like they, you know, the alien was supposed to be on the inside of her. I didn't remember it popping out, honestly. Uh, I haven't seen it, that version in a long time. In the theatrical version, it does pop out. It does pop out. Okay. It pops out, and she grabs it before it gets away. Before it runs away. Okay. All right. And brings well, it in. A little with on her. the nose, but yeah, that, that's what I remember. Um, so when I watched this version, I was like. Did I imagine that? Like, I was a little confused because I didn't think they would change the ending like that. But, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. it was an absolute... you do get the idea. Like, you don't it need was to see the It was an absolute mess. Like, yeah. this entire movie is a mess. It's totally a mess. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's dealing with these heavy religious topics as well very as... somber movie. Right. As well like, as dealing with the idea of loss as well as well as dealing with you know her f- like the fear of the alien and mm-hmm. stuff like that but they spend so much it just time sucks for ripley it's like <laughs> we you know i just went through all of this my ship has crash landed everyone i know is dead and i'm back in the same situation again, yeah with a bunch of these weird dudes that are but that's almost like the trope of the series yeah. right like, like yeah she's like i think that's, why, that's like, why i like that ending because it's like i'm gonna make this decision for myself, a lot of original you know? versions of the script actually didn't involve ripley at all they were going to follow new characters mm-hmm. completely which in my mind i feel like would have been maybe better service yeah to go. uh to to go that way but, but also ripley is a good uh good character you know so well she's so i i love the character of ripley uh especially like the progression they give her in aliens because she starts out as as completely shell-shocked and yeah. ptsd over what she dealt with and i do like that because that's a real reaction to what you just went through mm-hmm. on the nostromo and now you're being asked to to join them on the Salako and you're going to go on this mission and stuff like that and now you're not dealing with just one alien you're dealing with hundreds of them and you're dealing with testosterone you know (laughs) like colonial marines on top of that who all are completely underestimating what they're dealing with and it's only in that environment that she realizes no weapons well that's in alien three in alien oh we're talking about okay in aliens there's tons of weapons (laughs) i mean right right. that's the idea of aliens it's yeah firepower uh and what happens when you know that's your only answer to a problem and it runs out (laughs) uh and like ripley has to step up at that point you know and because it puts her in that position because she had just found out that her daughter died of cancer while she was in cryo sleep because it's 52 years later and she's immediately not looking for but finds this surrogate daughter figure in newt and immediately while dealing with the simultaneous loss of her of her birth daughter you know, dealing with having this kid who she's extremely protective over. It 
it's this wonderful amalgamation of like these character traits and stuff all of it's gone by the time mm-hmm. they get to alien 3 mm-hmm. you know she's awake she's dealing with loss she's depressed it's almost like Groundhog's Day she just <laughs> wants to fight like yeah. that's it mm-hmm. and I can I can understand that from maybe a psychological standpoint where like that's the only thing she knows now so let's just yeah. let's just do it let's nut up right. and let's shut up yeah. and, and I had and, a family for like a second it's and her let, only sense of purpose at right. this point yeah. and let's fuck Charles Dance let's just let's just it's <laughs> I a, mean who wouldn't it's a completely emotionless fuck I'm just doing it because I need to feel something can you make exactly. me feel good <laughs> <laughs> you really got to stop doing that. <laughs> and that and that's what this that, like, and that's what but like it did nothing to progress the character of Ripley whatsoever and I think that was also one of my big problems where like aliens took Ripley from the shell shock survivor with survivor guilt it, that she was in aliens and yeah. brought her to a position it advances a character a little bit it, it, it only advances her to leader to I guess you know leader but also she is looking for her way out mm-hmm. like she's she's it's more choosing to be a leader than the first one where she had to where she had to she had survive. to it was a survival situation yeah. where the second one is you know she very much takes charge because no one else would or could in or, the case yeah, of cause hicks because yeah. hicks was hurt in that one uh and then they get to to this one where you know they look to her as as a madonna figure yeah. and stuff like that where she's the only woman like and everything but in her mind it's it's nothing about that it's just ending this just, shit. You gotta just kill this thing. She's just had a fucking enough yeah. of it. And that's what you get at the ending. It's like, I yeah. just, I've had enough. I just Right, because that's the way I felt watching yeah. this movie was I had a yeah. fucking enough. Right. I was just ready for it to end. Now, the first act is weak. I, I, I never felt any of the emotional mm. weight that they were trying to add to the first act. The second act is extremely weak. Well, that's I, pretty sad because I didn't get that in the theatrical and they had time right. with that extended cut to try and build on that, but it didn't work. The second act is trying to build the fear of the xenomorph, but so many people are just grabbed haphazardly from the ceiling and brought up and then blood just drips down and like that is how like three different people die right and there's all these quick cuts of the alien mini mouth shooting out and busting people's heads yeah. i become desensitized and numb to it and i don't feel the fear of the creature any longer i'm literally just waiting for people to get their shit together to take it out like that's what i'm waiting for well you do have that scene with ripley where um when she has been impregnated in the alien is right up against her and like dripping saliva on her. And I mean, that's a really great, that's like an iconic scene for alien, I think. Um, so that's very good. And uh, also I was talking to J- Jay a little bit about this, but I think the per- performances in general in this movie are just, are really. Solid. Yeah. You and I were like, talking about it earlier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were talking sure. about it. Sure. The performances yeah. are great. Like, I think Charles is like phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. Like, I- and as much as like, the story is kind of like, eh, you know, like you don't care that much. Like you can tell th- these actors were going for it. Like they were in well, it. You I think know? And, and here's the thing. That the, they really what it comes down to is the it. script was the problem because obviously we, everybody knows that Fincher takes a lot of cuts, a lot of takes, and he can develop a great performance out of the actors. This is all but, our third act talk, Jay, that you're getting into. <laughs> well, okay, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, but the script was the, the biggest problem, and we'll get into what yeah. the script's problem was. But what I'm uh, saying but is I think those performances, things about them. I think those those performances, Mark, are 100% yeah. Fincher. I think yeah, like he's the feel, one that, yeah. that got those out of people. So Gourney Weaver loved working with him. Yeah. Like she thought that he was he he was a you know a a good director. Well, there's that story when uh, she first met David Fincher and he's uh, she said, How do you see Ripley in this movie? And he just said one word to her, bald. 
And I just, and she said from that moment on, she knew she was in good hands. So. That's one of the things, and uh, everyone, that seemed to be a thing, like on the set, like actors, everyone, you know, from camera people to actors. People like, liked them. Everyone loved them. And, uh, they were all really upset and disappointed by but what the happened. studio head his cinematographer everyone else had problems with him and the problems that they had with him were mainly his age and his inexperience mm-hmm. and they surrounded yeah. him by veteran filmmakers that were all around him as his crew that made it tough for him to push his vision forward yeah. and to get his vision made mm-hmm. uh, I think honestly in the end if Fincher had made what he wanted to make this would have it only would have moved it up a letter grade. Mm. It wouldn't have been that much you think of a, that's why of a he difference. Didn't return to actually do a director's cut. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I. Th- well, like, do you think the footage is there? All right, so and before we get into that? our our our, know, our third discussion, because uh, it's really the meat and potatoes yeah. of this whole thing. We're uh, chomping at the bit. Here. He had, and I'm paraphrasing a quote where he said he was offered the job of Alien Three. He took the job because of his love of the franchise and his extreme respect and admiration mm-hmm. for. Ridley Scott and what he did with the original Alien and Blade Runner. Right. So he took the job based on that. He went to Pinewood Studios and, in his words, spent two years being ritualistically sodomized. And that is David Fincher's thought on on making this movie. He does not like talking about it. He really got the Hollywood experience. (laughs) He rarely brings it up. And I would argue that David Fincher probably would not be the director he is today if he wasn't so unceremoniously fucked by Fox for That's so very long. interesting to say. Yeah. And I kind of believe that because when you think about it, that trauma, it probably was yeah. for him. Well, Jay, sure trauma. Jay, he left Alien 3. He didn't even want to go to the premiere. He asked people in Fox to remove his name from the director credit. This is a first-time director saying, this is my first big Hollywood yeah. film. Don't put me on the marquee. <laughs> That's saying something. Give me a pseudonym. Let me say whoever I want yeah. to be, because I don't want to be attached mm-hmm. to this. But Fox he, he wouldn't must let have him. Known that he had talent, like you know, what I mean, there must have been a cockiness so to him that he, maybe like people. He's didn't like already him. been a, at this point. He has already been an established and quite prolific music video director. You got to remember, this is the guy that made music video direction a stepstone into Hollywood filmmaking. No one had done it before that. Before this, it was you directed commercials, you directed shorts, and you directed uh, you directed festival films, and you eventually got your Hollywood shot. Mm-hmm. He went from directing music videos to getting a, a Hollywood production under his belt, and he was the first one to do that. After that, Mick G, uh, who, you know, some, some degree, Spike Jones, um, there, there has Michelle been Gondry. a slew of yeah. people who have directed music videos who went forward. He was the one that broke that barrier down. Yeah, he was he was, he was literally the 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 apex of the MTV generation being mm-hmm. given the ability to make Hollywood films, yeah. and it's worked out in his favor and in our favor since yeah. Alien Three. However, Alien Three is just the absolute misstep, and it's not his fault. It, it just comes to the fact of too many cooks in the kitchen yeah. and too many writers, you know, going mm-hmm. down the rabbit hole well and he also went back to doing music videos after this movie yeah um from just that whole experience and you know he went back to that and and like three years later he did seven and 95 and yeah, then yeah. went back to commercials again and then did the game in 97 so and let's do this. Club 99. So let's do this. Yeah. Let's just end this shit and let's get into our third part <laughs> yes, where we're going to talk about all that stuff and Jay we're going to introduce a man 
who you and I love talking about. Alright, I'm here. I got my scotch, I got my cigar, and I'm gonna fuck shit up. I'm really scotch. Alien 3, released in 1992, May 22nd. It had a budget of $65 million after its reshoots. They, they report the budget as $50 million, but in reality, with the reshoots and the marketing and everything, it was closer to $65 million. Its United States gross was only $55 million. So commercial success it was not you know no. <laughs> you know worldwide it did wind up making 159 million so it did wind up making close to 100 million dollars for the studio but that is not considered a commercial success mm-hmm. in the end uh, however fox was so determined to move forward with the alien franchise that they immediately course corrected after the critical lampooning of alien 3 and went straight into alien resurrection which comes out in 1997 and winds up being more of an aliens type film however it is so campy so kitschy and so off the mark from anything else that had come before it that it also is critically lampooned and does not make them any money and man just smacks of a studio grasping at straws to make a franchise out of something that they had had a hit they were lucky enough to where alien came out and it was lightning in a bottle it was it was it was the perfect amalgam of sci-fi and horror that was almost a low budget movie right for that and time. it did it really well then they come out with aliens with cameron which was again and i always stress this that was seven years after the original it came out in 86 the original came out in 79 that is a long time for a sequel. It's a long time. It's like that would never happen now. <laughs> it wouldn't happen now. And it, uh, no, but if it had been 30 years, then it can happen, Mark. That's then, how it then works. Then they can reboot it. <laughs> right. They can reboot it right. after seven years, too. And then from that point until 1992, when Alien 3 comes out, there was an absolute clusterfuck of script and story ideas that occurred. And I would love to go through all of them with you guys. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going Quickly. to read through <laughs> some of these and you guys are going to decide which one of these sounds like it's it's a really fun story. So first off, Fox wanted to make it, but the producers of the original Alien films did not. It actually took dump trucks full of money to get them to do it. Uh, so they, they decided to move forward with Fox and to make these movies. However, because they didn't really want to do it, they're doing it half-heartedly is what it really comes down to. Now, the first idea, the first idea was for aliens to appear on earth Mm -hmm. and you may remember there was actually a teaser for this movie it's like you know on earth everyone can hear you right the original teaser for for 1979 alien me and me and jay were actually on the countdown pod where we discussed the alien 79 teaser where it's just this long drawn out shot it eventually pans in on an alien egg mm. that cracks. You hear that music that almost sounds like a scream. Slowly starts revving up. And then alien appears above it, and it just says, in space, no one can hear you scream. Alien 3 was like, you know what? Since we're trying to go back to that old formula, on Earth, 
everyone mm-hmm. can hear you scream. See what they did there? Now, <laughs> see what they did? They flipped it on its head. Now, this story would have involved Ripley and Newt going back to Earth, only to find out that Whalen yutani Corporation has gotten itself a hold of an alien specimen and genetically altered it. And it winds up growing to the size of a large creature where it attacks Earth. So they're pretty much fighting a Godzilla-sized xenomorph on Earth. It also kind of sounds like the Lost World uh, version. Well, Fox decided this was too much for their budget and decided, let's scale it down. So the second proposed script, Ripley and Newt are going to chase down an alien on a non-Earth giant sprawling metropolis that was going to be visually reminiscent of Blade Runner. Now, this story was going to go on because Ridley Scott was back to make it. You want to take Alien and you want to put it with Blade Runner. I'm down. I'm going to do it. Just as long as that Blom cunt doesn't get involved. (laughs) Blom cunt wasn't even born yet. Uh, so so Ridley Scott was actually attached and this story actually fell apart when Ridley Scott had uh, scheduling conflicts with another film that he was making I believe it was Black Rain I want to say and then Thelma and Louise after that so he had some scheduling conflicts uh, and he was not able to come back so this script went away then enter William Gibson who's actually a great sci-fi writer Uh, he comes in and he was brought in by Fox to pen a script that involved a Cold War scenario on a space station that orbits Earth the xenomorphs would have been an allegory for nuclear weapons in an arm race and the story would have spanned and two films, the first of which would have followed Michael Bean's Hicks as the main character, where Ripley would have been stuck in cryosleep the entire time, uh, as it was believed that Sigourney Weaver was actually not interested in returning, which was 100% true. Uh, they actually had to give her a producer credit for Alien uh, 3 to get I her back. That, yeah. <laughs> so the studio hoped that she would return for the sequel to take on the alien threat, but the first one was going to be Michael Bean's character taking on this Cold War threat between the Colonial Marines and the Alliance, and this other very communist organization who invades the space station over Earth and tries to take it over, where uh, Xenomorphs would have been kind of pushed to the back burner, being left to kind of like these the, these little like weights yeah, yeah, kind of lying on weight. Okay. And their, their their big attack moment, the Xenomorphs rising, would have happened towards the end of the mm-hmm. film, only for Ripley to wake up at the very end and then return for the fourth film, which would have closed out the series. That was their idea that William Gibson wanted to do. It was, again, deemed too expensive. So they bring in another writer who uh, he did a version where it was also on Space Station. So he kind of took William Gibson's idea. But instead of having it be communism, he made this space station a lot like Westworld, where this space station, everything inside of it looked like the Wild West. So aliens the same one as in the, the Wild wooden West. wooden planet? Was it a nope. Planet no, no, we're no, not okay. there yet, Mark. All right. Uh, next, bring in David Tui who was the writer for Critters 2. spending a fortune on just writers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he does a script that took place on a prison space station. Are we sounding familiar yet? This story was based on Gibson's script, but it tweaked the space station aspect and made it a prison space station instead. And the idea behind the film would have been picture Escape from Alcatraz meets the original Alien film. So it would have been Ripley going to jail and then there would have been a 
prison break only to find out a xenomorph was on the prison and gathering all prisoners together to stop it so we're starting to get into some familiar territory to the film that we saw now Enter writer John Fascino. Uh, he wrote a script in which Ripley crashes on a space station that is made entirely of wood that is inhabited by pacifist monks who reject technology. The monks refer to the xenomorph creature on their wooden space station as a dragon. There was a mm. bunch of concept art from this that was absolutely crazy so if the you dragon element didn't make it in the movie though again yes. we are getting somewhere here yes. we're starting to get into elements that are yeah. echoing uh the wooden space station the concept art looked like a wooden death star that's what it came <laughs> down to uh there was also supposed to be a a plethora of livestock within this place mm. and the xenomorph would have impregnated okay. a sheep and the offspring would have been a xenomorph with wool <laughs> on it and it had for some reason a human face as its anus <laughs> that's yeah that's where you lost me with that right <laughs> once i saw if that. we were only older at the time we could have wrote the script, wrote this script. yeah um, every everyone else so, in hollywood was getting a chance why not us so were all these writers building off of each other's ideas or yes they- each one of them okay. was getting the script that came before them uh, okay. and they're building onto well, it you could see uh, how some scripts notes of what they so liked and they what they didn't like. you can see like- how some scripts are delineated and yeah. and dropped because of some of their more fantastical mm-hmm. ideas while certain other aspects are being picked up and carried yeah. forward throughout but were they being told to take certain elements or were they just like here do what you want with it like I don't mm, know how- it was a whole lot of like Oh, we like studio like involvement, like cherry picking. Sort of Obviously, the yeah. studio is not happy with most of these scripts and winds yeah. up They're getting rid like, of oh, them. Prison. That sounds cool. Sure. Finally, in the end, in the zero hour, 11th hour, Fox is pretty much under the gun. It is now five years since their last alien film has come out. They're trying to build a franchise. They're trying to make this bankable. They just got to get a movie out. They hire a guy. Get me an alien, damn it. They hire a young guy to direct who has some vision named David Fincher, and they decide to hire some writers to mix Tawny's script and Fascino's script that is the the wooden mm-hmm. Death Star type script along with the prison script and they bring them together and they wind up getting alien three which is why so many elements seem familiar from those two and they're mixed together remember they are all extremely religious at the prison there is not a whole lot of technology or weaponry around to fight the xenomorph threat and they are just kind of getting the best of both these worlds, mm-hmm. putting them together in a way that doesn't fit. So when Jay says, like, it, 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 you know, this film seemed directionless, it 100% was. <laughs> it so was, were they consciously going for the vibe of the first film? Yes. That, that, that they were conscious. They so, like, they, they felt like they couldn't go back to the out, to the action genre that they did for the second one. Well, the script didn't warrant that. They first were of all. always trying to go back to something that was more horror driven than anything else however they failed on both fronts they wanted to marry both those worlds and they just didn't get there Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can see that Fox was just doing that all the time here they're just marrying both worlds so uh, Fincher winds up getting hired he absolutely hates the script is brought on to to direct this film and uh, his original cinematographer who he had picked out winds up contracting Parkinson's succumbs to it and is unable to continue his duty the Mm -hmm. 
studio provides him with a new cinematographer who completely disagrees with him. Most of his crew, his veteran crew, disagrees with him. The movie he wants to make isn't made. There was even a scene he wanted to film with Sigourney Weaver that the rest of the crew wouldn't, didn't want him to do, and they were reporting back to Fox, and Fox even told him not to do it. So what he did was he grabbed Sigourney Weaver, he took her to the scene, and he shot it himself, and it ended up not making the final cut. What scene was that? I don't know, because hmm. it didn't make the final cut, any cut of the There's film. There's no explanation of what it was? No. no? Okay. Unfortunately not. Interesting. So. Wow. Yeah. History. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver reportedly did not want to come back for this film, so uh, they had to dangle a producer credit in front of her, mm-hmm. giving her royalties on the back end and, and a lot more like, skin in the game. And she did like Fincher when she met and she liked Fincher so she when she in met that him. So, uh, and that is something that'll echo into our next story that I'm going to get into because this is this is going deep because I love the Alien franchise and I think it's fascinating how completely mismanaged it's been by you Fox. S- you see all the different directions it could have gone. Oh my god! And it went in this direction somehow. So, Alien Three at one point could have been erased from history, as well as Alien Resurrection. There was an idea once. <laughs> that came from a director of a great film that w- got some Academy attention and won some awards and everyone loved him. His name is Neil Blomkamp. He comes from South Africa, raised in Canada, uh, went to Vancouver Film School mm. and wound up returning to South Africa to make District 9. Uh, he went on making Elysium to some mixed reviews and and, and audience uh, scores and then he made Chappie which kind of fell under the radar completely. While making the film of Chappie he begins working on concept art and writing a script for a film called Alien Untitled. He will not reveal what his full title was because it would spoil the story he said. Some rumors say that it was Alien Isolation which would have followed Followed a different version of of Newt that would have went on to carry the series. Uh, but does Alien have any relation to the video game that came out? It possibly does, but there is no hard evidence of okay. that. So this is a lot of rumors and half cocked ideas that are amalgam from mm-hmm. different interviews and concept okay. art that has been released. But the story for right now, we're just going to call it. Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5. Originally, when he wrote it, it did not involve Ripley, Hicks, or Newt. But Sigourney Weaver, who was on the set of Chappie, who worked with him on Chappie, found out he was working on this idea because he wanted to run it by her just to get her opinion on it since she was so closely tied to the series. And she said, I would love to do this. I want to do this with you. I want you to do this with me. I didn't get to end Ripley's story in the way that I would have liked. I love the character. Help me bring it back in your vision and we'll take it to Fox. Uh, Well, real quick, because I have not seen it, um, how does her character end in the fourth? one like how does the character of ripley leave off she is the mother of all xenomorphs okay and <laughs> she kills her human hybrid xenomorph baby by sucking it out of the escape pods hole that she creates in the ship okay. and it sucks it out so kind of a uh yep first one all over of the first one and the third one so yep. yeah all yep. right Okay. Yep. Hmm. Uh, but that's a clone. That's not the real Ripley, right. remember? Right, right. Okay. She has Xenomorph. So either way, blood she wants another ending for the She game. wants another shot, another shot at it. So, according to Michael Bean, he and Ripley would have returned along with Newt. And the entire idea was that Ripley would wind up 
for some reason or another, no one would say, would wind up exiting the story in Neil Blomkamp's uh, version, and Newt would have been a mid-20s version of herself and would have carried the series forward, and they would have built the franchise around her character. Was it going to be the, the clone of Ripley or, or actual Ripley? In this version, do you it know? would have been uh, no one's saying, but Probably. I believe it would have been actual Ripley. Oh, okay. Now, there's been a lot of like back and forth uh, where some people say that this version would have erased Alien Three and oh. Alien Resurrection from okay. existence and would have existed as the actual Alien Three, which mm-hmm. is why we're talking about it here on this show. Others uh, say, including Neil Blomkamp, that it wouldn't have dismissed Alien Three or Alien Resurrection. We just don't touch on those story points in this at all. Interesting. Which is a really nice way of saying, I'm playing studio politics, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to wait to see. <laughs> I want to wait to see where things go from here yeah. before I say anything more. That's what that comes down okay. to. All right. So, what happened to this yes. idea? We got a lot of we got a lot of concept art. We see a space sh- jockey ship in a lot of the concept art. And it's important that I say space jockey and not engineer, because Fox was already developing a series of alien films prequels with Ridley Scott at this same time that involved engineers. Mm-hmm. And it was important for Neil Blomkamp to say, no, mine are space jockeys. They're from the original alien film. Whatever those engineers are, that's something that Ridley Scott's playing with. I'm not playing with those. These are space jockeys. Okay. <laughs> So it was very important to him because he all of his concept art was based on the original 1979 concept art with what whatever Ridley Scott was doing was going in its own direction as far as Fox was selling to him and as far as he was selling for his own film. So there was a derelict space jockey ship being rebuilt, mm-hmm. clearly with xenomorph uh, technology built into it and DNA built into it. Uh, there was, uh, we saw Hicks with like a melted face. And at one point we see Ripley with a xenomorph exoskeleton being worn as like armor and a space suit. Uh, and it seemed like at one point they also met with with mercenaries uh, supposedly in a bid to take down Wayland yutani Corporation. And Wayland yutani would have had new, would have had access to the DNA of xenomorphs and would have been experimenting on it. So we would have seen a wide variety of different type of xenomorphs, including a different form of an alien queen. Wow. That Ripley, Hicks, and Newt would have been taken on in a bid to take down Wayland yutani and end the xenomorph threat. That is what people have pieced together based on concept art and leaked scripts. Uh, now, if you listen to to some people, uh, James Cameron says he read the script and it's absolutely brilliant and he loves it. If you listen to mm. Ridley Scott and his people over at Scott Free, they said that no script really existed. It was only about a 10-page treatment that existed and it sounds okay. But in the end, and what uh, what is believed to have happened was that Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5 or Alien Isolation or whatever its working title was stepped on the toes of whatever Ridley Scott was doing with his prequels since it heavily involved the space jockey involvement in the development of the alien of the xenomorph species. And uh, that is a realm that Ridley Scott was dabbling in over in his Prometheus and Alien Covenant worlds that he was doing. Uh, so the idea is is that Ridley Scott pretty much railroaded this production is what the rumor is. Oi, you call that Blomcon. I told you I'd never get rid of Alien again. Now that I got a back, you think I'm going to share it with Blomcon's ass? Get him out of here. That is what Ridley Scott pretty much did. He called up Fox, 
he was back in charge of the alien franchise. He wasn't about to share his his cake with anybody else. Yeah, really, Scott. He had, has, the, he had the power to. He had the really. Rights. Scott has always said one of his biggest regrets in Hollywood was giving up the alien franchise. He wished he stuck with it. He saw Aliens and what Cameron did with it, and he wished he stuck with it. He even tried to come back for Alien Three at one point, like we said, met with scheduling conflicts, and ultimately let it go. And when he had the opportunity to come back, he had the time, and he was given the freedom to. Do so he did neil blomkamp's alien was apparently probably running ruckshaw all over everything that ridley scott was doing so it was killed in in the hopes that ridley scott was coming up with something great but there's a silver lining to this neil blomkamp i, I think visually he's a wonderful director i think he can visually bring anything he thinks to screen extremely inspired choice in a practical way as well using practical effects that was his idea right was to use as many practical effects as he possibly could just like he had done for his movies prior to that and uh and he's and he has a great working relationship with weta workshop because district nine was uh produced by peter jackson who is the founder of weta and everything like that so he comes from that background of practical first uh and you know his alien film went away but he was recorded as saying that while i regret that i'm not really getting to make it you know this is paraphrased uh you know he extremely respects the films that came before it he loves the alien franchise that's why he had put so much work into into his workshop for the sequel to this but however he respects ridley scott and his vision and what he's doing and he's perfectly okay with stepping aside so that he can do his thing does ridley scott know what he's doing <laughs> i'm just kidding no well <laughs> the answer is no because I mean, I prometheus i still don't know what happened in that movie in the end <laughs> disney now owns it all yeah. and all well, of disney it's, owns everything so all of it's up in the air yeah so ridley there's no way in hell that disney's going to give ridley scott ridley scott's any kind of ridley scott's shot. sequel to to or any alien, kind of power to another right. alien movie so ridley scott's the alien covenant bomb is that what happened ridley scott's alien covenant is just as uh, a sequel to Alien Covenant is just as much up in the air as Neil Blomkamp's Alien Five. In an interview in 2018 with IGN, James Cameron was asked about Neil Blomkamp's sequel, and James Cameron said, "That reminds me, I got to get working on that." Hmm. James Cameron has a great working relationship with with Disney currently because they just built Avatar <laughs> Themeland Pandora yeah. in in Disney's Animal Kingdom. He's currently working on Avatar 2 and the He's it's subsequent on Avatar movies right. for a while. And the subsequent sequels but with Disney backing now. Right. So Disney's pushing him to get them done. Yeah. So he now well, has the new alien comes out soon. He now movie. has the ability to 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 push things through possibly to Disney with his backing. And if he was as impressed as he says with Neil Blomkamp's alien mm. treatment, he can push it through to Disney. Now, will Disney involvement water down whatever Neil Blomkamp had in mind that had both Sigourney Weaver, James Cameron, and Fox Studios impressed with him? Probably. They will water it down. Well, his last film, Chappie, did that, that didn't do well, did it? That Was it considered a bomb? or I love the effects yeah. in Chappie. Well, no, I mean, like, financially. Financially, it was still a bomb. I okay. love the effects but, in Chappie. But that's why... I, but no, I, I mean, I just wonder 
if was it bad? No, but I love the effects. I wonder if Disney would take a chance on him because of it. That movie didn't do as well. Disney would one hundred percent take a chance on him because he's going to work for the cheap now, buddy. Yeah, right. But I'm trying to think like a big Chappie was completely marketed wrong. It was marketed as like this uprising film of the downtrodden and stuff. It just it didn't work. It wasn't what it's what they sold it as, and that's not his fault. He's not behind the marketing of his film. Unfortunately, saying like factually like did it do well like in the box office no okay so that's all companies care about <laughs> you know what i mean well so. neither did elysium yeah but the russo you know. brothers were completely un unfettered like they were they were unproven they had never even directed a big budget from before they mm. they did some I mean, episodes take, of community and stuff they do like take that. chances sometimes i mean it could happen it, it really could if he's willing Especially if, if he's willing to work for the cheap for his first time yeah. out if, they'll take him if james they'll cameron is backing him then there's a good chance it could happen. yeah it's you know what the alien franchise is just an absolute series of misfires misstarts and somehow getting it together and making a film for better or worse mm-hmm. is what the and alien, alien 3 really exemplifies Right, that. right. After Aliens, it's just been an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. Like, even though Ridley Scott's coming together with his own vision, it's almost as if he was given too much freedom. Yeah. Whereas you, you look at something like Alien 3 and you had too much studio involvement. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's a tough balance. To, to, it's to, weird. It's one of those things where, you know, Alien obviously is a classic, like, great, one of the greatest films. And then Aliens 2, well, sorry, Aliens shouldn't have worked but it did you know so it's it's almost one of those things where hollywood didn't even understand what it had you know and i think that's part of the reason that when it came to alien 3 they just didn't know what to do with it because it's like it's like you said do we go back to what we did for the first again one, or? they were six years out from their yeah. last from their they last so one and it was just point. time to make the sequel to make this franchise yeah. work and they were willing and to they, do whatever it took they rushed it and took forever at the same time it's kind of crazy yeah <laughs> uh so i mean just think would you guys be interested in 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 Blomkunt's alien like would you guys yeah, be interested i would yeah it I sounds really more interesting than i think yeah. i think uh at this point taking someone like him who is an extreme fan of the films um but has also proven himself as a filmmaker is the best route to go and also a good visionary practical director although right. fincher was a fan and although fincher was a huge out. fan and yes. it didn't work out because it's studio involvement as long as that's there i mean you know it's well gonna this be time tough, it's disney and their studio involvement and they've probably learned from right. Alien three and, uh you know, now disney's hopefully. studio involvement is a little bit different than Fox's. Mm-hmm. Um, they are heavily involved in pre-production of films, but they're not so heavily involved in the production mm-hmm. of the films, right? They very much heavily control the marketing of the film, yes. uh, and they very much heavily control the message and what they plan on doing with the film. But when it comes to like on set making the film, Disney is not as mm-hmm. hands-on as right. Fox has so been. Hopefully it wouldn't be now, and, and that's what's being reported by some directors who have worked. Other directors are saying it's too difficult to yeah. deal with them. Well, yeah. So been- there's been conflicting reports mm-hmm. there. However, I, I would like to think that the success they've had is far less involved with, with them being involved with it and kind of allowing the creators to work within the wheelhouse that they want to work in. Yeah. With Disney setting the parameters around it, you know, and then it's like, 
like, here's, you know, here's your, you know, here's your 12 acres Mm -hmm. to work with. As long as you stay within these 12 acres, you're fine. Do whatever you want, but don't exceed this or go past this or undo this. You know, hopefully people do learn lessons from what happened with Alien 3, you know? I mean, hopefully they look back on it. I think David Fincher certainly did. I think he he did, definitely. When he was handed the script to Seven, he he immediately had a vision, and when he made it, he knew what he was going Mm -hmm. to be doing with it. Right. Like we said, he learned a lot on that set, you know, he probably... He really got his uh, boot camp. And I think it made him a better director and producer um, for the rest of his career. I think so. Um, I I think it shows. It is a happy ending. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, as an Alien fan, I have two films to watch. And that's it. (laughs) <laughs> that's it yeah and alien 3 is an interesting anomaly but you know what you know but sometimes that's enough oh, yeah, yeah. Right? i'll say this uh going back and having watched prometheus a bunch of times i am fascinated by w- the ideas that prometheus presents i'm not so happy with the execution and the story mm-hmm. or uh, the characters really um right Characters, I think, more than anything, but I, I did not stick out. As I well. very much like the ideas that Ridley Scott presents. No, I, and, I hear you. And even in Alien Covenant, I kind of like the ideas that are being presented. However, the, the like the wrapping that I got that little gift in is just it's funny. Horrendous. Alien Three is like the opposite. Like the idea is so simple, and it's it's even hardly there. But the, but it's like, overbloated, like yeah, and there's no but, substance. Right. But there are like some decent performances, like we said, and, and you know the characters are, are pretty good. Um, and there's you know visually, it's it's still pretty impressive looking. Uh, maybe a little bland in parts, but. You know, there, there are some good things about it. I think looking back, like we said, um, you know, in hindsight, it's not as bad as as it could have been, but it also could have been a lot better. So it also, I, yes. I, I, I think ultimately, you know, there was it's there, really middling. There were know? some ideas thrown out there. I don't think any of the ideas that I read for like Alien Three scripts were on point. I don't think any None of them of those were right. Were like, yeah, none of those were were gonna do gangbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just in the end, what it comes down to was. This was n- this was a movie that no one was passionate about making mm-hmm. from the get go. No one was passionate about about making this, and the studio just wanted to make a buck. And this is what happens. It's mm-hmm. what we saw just happen with Disney and Aladdin and Lion King. Mm-hmm. Studio wants it done, so they find someone to make it, and it gets put out. And this one's made a lot of money, though. <laughs> I know, but god damn it, that just comes from nostalgia and people yeah. wanting to see, know. you know, what was done. You know, like you, you, you know, I went and saw a Broadway show of a Disney film. That doesn't mean that the Broadway show is better. It just means it's different. And that's the thing. These weren't different. And again, who cares? I'm not getting into that. And, but, and again, the branding itself, alien, boom, done. Right. For like sci-fi stuff. Like it's going to draw people in regardless. Different generations. Draws me in every time, Jay. See, every that's time. why, that's why it was financially successful is because the nineties was that bombastic branding action, heavy stuff where it didn't have to be good. And it wasn't good. I th- but it still sold and got people in the butts. Here's the their thing. butts in the, in the seats. <laughs> here's you know? the I mean, thing. Like, people in their butts. Yeah. Here's well, what I want to oh, tell you. Too. Here's, too. here's what I want to tell you, Jay. Fucked everybody in the ass. <laughs> We've talked Alien Three to death. I'm done with it. I'm over it. If you guys would like to discuss Alien Three further, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Super Movie Pod. Reach out to Jay on Facebook, Super Movie Bros Podcast on there. We have to decide what our next category is going to be given to us by our patron, good friend of the show, Thomas Ianucci. Ooh. 
he put this category to us, and the category was martial arts films. So this is any film that deals with martial arts. And uh, I think since Mark went first last time, it is now my turn to pick first. And I chose 1984's The Karate Kid, which I think is kind of like the modern, like, martial arts movie right like the 70s had their heyday with like the cult martial arts films and stuff like that and this is very much more of a sports film with the martial arts yeah. element added into sure. it it's it's like the kid version of rocky with without mm, yeah, without the retarded love story this was my movie yeah for sure when i was a kid yeah i love this movie and it, it's right and, it's, my alley. and it's continued to not fascinate audience, but it's continued to entertain audiences since with sure its one is right with its subsequent sequels, mm-hmm. and you know uh, even the the remake did did pretty well box mm-hmm. office wise, mediocre critical wise, uh, and then the TV series which uh, on YouTube Cobra Kai, which has revived the original Karate Kid franchise. I've heard good things. I haven't seen it. Yet. It's it's very much a a melodramatic you know I heard type it of thing. Turns it on its head a little bit. It's fun. I like it a lot. And I think it keeps it in the zeitgeist and it keeps this franchise alive. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun to me, who's a huge fan of Karate Kid, Mm -hmm. to watch, you know, Danny as a a 45-year-old man, (laughs) you know, fighting fighting with uh (laughs) with with his rival. The same guy. In their 40s. (laughs) It's it's just it's wonderful. Billy Zapka is honestly really good in it. Like he's really, really good. It's worth (laughs) your watch if you haven't watched it. But anyway, Karate Kid is my vote. Uh, after me, it was Rob. He texted us, told us what he wanted. He wants Kung Fu Panda. That's his martial arts pick. All right. Many of great martial arts movies out there, but <laughs> just, just went, like Saw 4. I feel like he just typed in Kung Fu in the Google. <laughs> so what, the first one that came up. popped up. <laughs> definitely what happened. Fair enough. Uh, Jay, your pick, man. What, what are you putting up for martial arts movies? I'm going to go actually with... Kill Bill Volume Two. Volume Two. Ooh. It's very interesting. That yes. You choose Volume Two I because, one, yeah, I feel like the more the, the 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 better fight scenes are in one. Yeah, there are certain things in Volume Two that I thought had a little bit more karate esque elements to it. The training, it be, training, the training with pot with Pai Mei. Plan A taught you the five-point palm exploding heart technique. Of course he did. The the training for sure. And then also just the little intricacies of just how they fight in small core, like small, um, you know, it's like a very unique thing that not everybody knows how to do. The music, the score in that final scene with Bill was just fantastic. Beautiful. It's uh, poignant. He, music's it's great. Music's good in this movie. Oh, music, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Mark, I, your pick. What did I pick? Oh, yeah. So, um, I have actually not seen this movie yet, but I part of the reason I'm picking it is because I recently wanted to watch it, and it is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's, it's a, a great choice. It's, it's a, a great big choice. One and I hear good things, and 
you know, Wire Foo was a big thing uh, around that time. Yeah, it came out in 2000. Um, it's kind of like the perfection of Wire Foo, where, like, you know, Matrix kind of used it a little mm-hmm. bit before it. Some other Kung Fu mo- movies used it long before that and stuff, but uh, it really brought it to the American shores mm-hmm. and it kind of made a cinematic style. It's like a different era right. of right. Kung Fu. It, it kind was of, well respected, too. Right. And it lasted, you know, I mean, there was a lot of movies that came out after this that were foreign in China and, and have, and, and found some critical success here in america this is like a breakthrough right house of flying daggers comes mm-hmm. to mind that's that that's a kung fu movie that, that, Jet that Lee, i love right? yeah uh and then there was also you know the- even a couple of weird keanu reeve movies yeah <laughs> so, well the matrix i guess you could say was kind of well that, that yeah. wire foo was but that was 99 yeah, and was- crouching tiger came out in 2000 mm-hmm. so that was like americanized version i guess yeah, yeah yeah uh and then you know i i it, it's definitely its style has gone out of style mm-hmm. but it's still influencing films today mark because uh mulan the mm-hmm. the Disney remake of their animated film will be coming out next year, and it's very much inspired really? by movies like Crouching Tiger, okay, Hidden Dragon, and House of Flying Daggers. Good time so, to watch it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they also tried to make a comeback with that movie. What was that movie with uh, with with Matt Damon where he was on the Great the Great Wall? <laughs> the Great Wall. It was awful. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it oh, was okay. terrible. <laughs> but it tried its best to pay homage to to that type of that, yeah. that type of movie making. So uh, those Keanu Reeves movies that I was telling you guys about um was called 47 ronin i remember that and man of tai chi man of tai chi and then there was also uh the man with the iron fist which was produced by uh quentin tarantino yeah there's there's a there's a lot of time period was was a lot of this kind of movie i can hear the twitter comments already when this poll goes up where's the raid where's ang bak where's the protector where's tony ja john wick john where's john wick like stuff like that but you know to be honest i think we have a we, f- were, we went for some of the classics i think we went for a fair smattering of it you know except we got for kung fu, pan- <laughs> for kung fu pan- <laughs> sorry rob i don't know what you're doing with that one right. uh well dreamworks hey, had its heyday and kung fu yeah. panda was the well, when was, i think of kung fu movies uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, kung maybe. fu's in the title how you gonna argue he's got it? kids he's probably been watching that <laughs> yeah, movie over and over again that's probably i guess you Kung Fu is in the one. title. How are you going to argue with it, Mark? You can't. You oh, can't. Right. <laughs> we can't say no to it. <laughs> Whereas if Jay was like, now, the movie I'm surprised Jay didn't pick was Warrior. I really tried to stick with like what I thought was more karate. Jay, it's mixed martial arts, buddy. Well, it's in the title. Yeah, I had I have a idea and a vision in my well, head enough. of that kind of movie. I would and admit, word doesn't fall like, under that category as much. Ka- even with Karate Kid, I'm kind of flirting with the line because mine's yeah. more of like a a sports. It depends movie, how strict you, you know? want to be. With, I, d- I, I disagree. Like if if Dave didn't pick that, I would have picked it. Well, we're to be not. Honest. Oh, we're know. we're clearly we're clearly not strict here because. Because when I said <laughs> horror movies in the woods, Jay picked the gray. So <laughs> we're not strict here. Look, <laughs> I guess we could have done like let's foot, not get foot fist it. way for this. <laughs> the foot fist <laughs> way, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How you could have done Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I was thinking about that too. Um, oh Rex man. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys uh, for taking this journey of misrepresentation Murky, and a misstep. Yeah, it, it was you know Alien Three is just it's it's a crazy story of how. Hollywood goes wrong. We we know about studio involvement with a lot of films and to we this day. and we know where it can go wrong, but there's only a few like true testaments of it that we can point to and say like there were so many problems with this and we know enough about the problems that we can talk about it in long form like this. Yeah. Another one also comes from Fox that I can think of is 
X-Men Origins Wolverine, another film that was directed by an up-and-coming director, Gavin Hood, with a lot of studio involvement, and a lot of the big problems that come out of studios came from Fox. It's no wonder that eventually their involvement caused them to not make enough money to continue operating, and they wound up selling to Disney. Now, Disney owns, I think it's like 30% of like the- Of uh, Hollywood? Of Hollywood, yeah. It's like 30% pretty much, which is a huge chunk, a massive chunk. Um. But I mean, that's that's really what Alien Three is. It's a it's a testament of a long running franchise that stayed alive just long enough to pump out more sequels that were increasingly getting worse and worse. It almost makes you wonder if they were going to lose the rights if they didn't make it, or you know, sometimes studios run into that situation where I don't think so. If you don't make it uh, a movie, I think in the early nineties there just wasn't enough. Yeah, remember it's before Independence Day where Fox like really just hit the ground running again. Like mm-hmm. you know they where they started producing they were movies, and they were just just before they hit they struck gold with the X Men franchise yeah. and other superhero properties. You know yeah, they were doing well for a while there. They were doing well for a while in the eighties. <laughs> so and then you know and and then the 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 nineties hit and they went into a lull and they wanted to reach for something that they knew was bankable that's yeah. made them money before. And it was alien. Mm-hmm. So they, they were looking to get it made. I want to say as quickly as possible, but really what it comes down to, they wanted to get it made as cheaply as possible yeah. and make the best film that they possibly could with their involvement, <laughs> which costing them a lot. <laughs> and alien three wound up being the best that they could possibly yeah. put together. That's what happens when a studio head makes your movie and not the person who, who uh, is behind the camera, the mm-hmm. director. Cause David Fincher has said like my job, he, when he showed up the Pinewood studio, Sets were half built. Concept art was done. Scripts were written. He hated the script. He had he wanted nothing to do with the film by the time he got there. He immediately realized he was just a shooter. His job began and ended when the camera turned on and when the camera turned off. He didn't have a whole lot to do in the editing process. He had nothing to do with the marketing process. Yeah. And he really did practically nothing for promoting the film because he was a no-name. He literally to Hollywood. <laughs> he literally got to walk away from this project and go, wow. Oh, I don't think that'll ever see the light of day. And mm-hmm. some of a bitch. There it was. And he had to beg the studio to take his name off it. It didn't happen. But he wound up well, he wound think, up making his own path after yeah. this anyway. Things so. worked out for David Fincher. It did. So. It did. I think it worked out for us as movie-going yeah. audience. Because if you, again, we say this on Super Movie Brothers a lot. And we have Mark to back me and Jay up this time. If you have not seen Zodiac, yeah. It's so two good. hours and 40 minutes. But so fuck, good. is every it minute of like, it yeah. worth it? Robert Downey Jr. is a revelation oh. in it. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is really good in it the cinematography is probably some of the best i've ever Mark seen Ruffalo, from a solid film. as always uh and there are just some truly amazing camera work and effects that go into this film the that attention is to detail truly amazing amazing it's so good yes and it's some of the best and this is a weird thing to focus on but like as a guy who watches horror movies, I really focus on this. Zodiac has one of the best uses of a digital knife going into a person's body that I've ever seen. <laughs> It's a weird yeah. thing to focus on, but when you watch no, The Walking Dead like me and Lauren used to watch, <laughs> yeah. seeing digital blades stab things becomes a regular thing, and you can start to recognize when it looks good and when it doesn't. But at that moment in Vallejo, when they're looking over the the the, quar- the flooded quarry and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and he rolls the guy over and he starts stabbing him in yeah. the back, oh, that yeah. digital knife looks as real as yeah. any other knife, and when it goes into his body and comes out... 
it's just as gut wrenching mm-hmm. and, and 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 realistic to me as mm. watching someone get stabbed right in front of me. Which means David Fincher did his job. Yeah. I feel uncomfortable to this day watching that scene, <laughs> even though I know it's coming. Yeah, every he's time he's great at creating tension in that movie. He does it so sure. well. So uh, I'm watch it again. I think I it's available on Netflix. You yes. can watch yeah. it streaming right now. Uh, so if you want to, I would, watch it right after I watch Mindhunter season two. season two, uh, and, uh, which I'm writing right now, so. which is produced by Fincher, which More he directed Fincher. the pilot. And he, uh, yes. I believe, directed the first episode of season two. Stamp so, of approval from us. I mean, like, check it out, guys. If you ever wanted to see like two movies from the same director that stand in stark juxtaposition from when they're young to when they are now, mm-hmm. watch Alien Three, and then yeah, I, I mean, sure, throw, throw seven in there, <laughs> and then go watch like Zodiac and yeah. just see how he's progressed as like a filmmaker and stuff. He's a guy who knows exactly what he wants yeah. and what he wants to do. He's, and he's still doing he's deliberate great. in it, yeah. and he does a fantastic job mm-hmm. of it. So I want to thank all of you guys for listening. You can follow Mark over on his own podcast, which is Cult Movie Cult. Mark, tell everybody what you got going on right now. What's the series that you're doing over there on Cult Movie Cult? Well, we just wrapped up our series on Ralph Bakshi. Uh, we just talked about Cool World, which was our, you know, his last big one. Uh, it was a flop, but it was his last big one. It was a flop because uh, everyone <laughs> wanted Roger Rabbit, and it just exactly. won. It just was not. But <laughs> um, so we just wrapped that up, and I thought that was a really, uh, you know, that was a fun series to do. We're gonna do a really fun one next um, about one hit wonders. So basically. Direct- films by directors that didn't really go on to do anything else which is exactly what david fincher thought was going to happen to him yeah it could have easily <laughs> been david fincher <laughs> so that, that's going to be fun that's interesting that's cool that's a good one going on that soon yeah. yeah and of course uh you can follow mark on twitter at cult underscore movie underscore cult and then you can also check his show out it's available anywhere that you can stream podcasts uh me and jay are available on twitter and facebook you can check me out on twitter at super movie pod you can check jay out on facebook super movie bros podcast on there you can email us super movie bros podcast at gmail.com you can also check us both out on instagram jay runs the beers over there it's super movie bros beer and then you can check me out at movie cocktail i'll be posting the recipes up on both twitter and on instagram uh we do run a patreon me and jay this month are going to be doing a patreon movie cocktail uh the movie is a secret but secret I will reveal it soon. Uh, so if you guys want some additional content from me and Jay, you can head over to Patreon and we are patreon.com slash super movie brothers podcast on there. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Have a great night. Cheers. Cheers.